Hello and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godick, and with me today is Shay Snow. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. It's awesome to get you on the show. I've seen you around online, and actually, um, even more recently, I've seen you posting on the Emerald City discord for games up in linwood which mm-hmm. is not even like five miles from my house yep so i i feel bad i haven't uh i haven't connected with you sooner uh it's all right so uh shay is an agender native american tabletop freelance author and editor they're currently an editor for paizo and have contributed to over two dozen pathfinder starfinder and coyote and crow projects as an author and editor when they're not playing or writing tabletop games, they can be found playing video games or talking about indigenous issues on social media. You can also find Shay running games as a venture officer for the Emerald City Lodge at Gamers Heaven in Linwood on Twitch as Spells and Sugar and on their website at shayj.card, and there's two R's in there, dot co. All right. So again, thanks, Shay, for joining us. Yeah. Now, you are a on-staff full-time editor for Paizo? I am. All right. Can you... Now, first thing I'll say is you were the fourth editor, fifth editor I've interviewed. <laughs> um, four of them with... Uh, well, actually, three of them had were with Paizo at the time. Two of them were former Paizo folks. And I can I can tell you all that later if you want. But <laughs> So I'm getting a sense that editing is important, but even so... I would like for you to talk about your work as an editor for Paizo and especially the journey that led you to that particular position. Yeah, well, like, uh, I do want to touch on, like, uh, editing is actually very important at Paizo. And it's one thing that I've kind of noted whenever people are like, oh, well, how do you feel about it? What's weird about it or anything like that? Like, it was in my AMA during PaizoCon. People were like, mm-hmm. what's the most unexpected thing about being an editor at Paizo? And it's like, we really have our fingers in every single product that goes through. Like, um, you know, we're kind of split in development design with Pathfinder and Starfinder, so not all of them touch it. But, like, every single product that you see go through we put our fingers in that. So that's kind of a weird thing. Um, as for how I sort of got to here, uh, it's kind of, uh, it, it's it's a little bit of a long story. I'll try to make it as short as I can. Uh, but the funniest part of it is um, it all sort of started when one of my friends, before I was an editor, I actually worked in call centers. And one of my coworkers was, was a close friend of mine. And she was like, hey, do you want to come over to my house and learn how to play Dungeons and Dragons? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, and then I showed up at her house and her husband's like, no, we're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. We're playing Pathfinder. And I'm like, it's all rolling dice to me. I don't know what the difference <laughs> is. Yeah. And the words he said to me were, well, Dungeons and Dragons is the original, but Pathfinder has a much more interesting setting. And that sort of stuck with me. Um, but to get to the editing position, I started freelancing uh, just about two-ish years ago. And uh, one of the things I made was on the first thing I ever freelanced for was Bestiary 3. And I made a connection with Avi Cool. And Avi, Mm -hmm. who is a fantastic friend of mine, a fantastic mentor and leader and everything on the editing team. I cannot speak their praises enough. Uh, Basically, uh, we've had this conversation a few times. What they said was, you turned in something that was so clearly very clean that I had to reach out to you when we were looking for a contract editor. Um, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which is uh, such a huge compliment. I really appreciated it. Um, And then in, gosh, February of last year, 
I was looking to quit my job and people knew that because uh, it was my last call center. And Avi reached out and was like, hey, we're opening a contract position. Would you be interested in taking editing tests? They're like, yeah, sure. I mean, worst case scenario, y'all say, Psh, not you, psych. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I took the editing test and Leo reached out and he was like, yes, absolutely. We would like you to join the team as a contractor. I'm like, fantastic. Sounds great. Uh, and then in April of that year, I'm like, you know, I should really, you know, solidly consider making the move to Washington. And Leo went, I love hearing you say those words because then I can actually talk about getting you a position on the team. Uh, and then in October, they were like, hey, come on and join us. Uh, we'd love we'd love to have you here. And I was very excited uh, because working for Paizo was sort of like this like pot shot dream that I started mm -hmm. with when I started freelancing. And now it's like, oh, no, I'm here. <laughs> Now, you know, this interesting, I, I actually had talked to Leo last week about the editing test, and he said he very intentionally puts people under pressure, you get 48 hours to complete it. Did you study for that? I mean, did you have yeah. the Chicago manual style memorized and look through all the style sheets for, for Paizo ahead of time from you written so you had all that down? Or how did you prepare? I tried to get that from Leo, you know, how people did that, and I don't think he really got the question so i'm going to ask you how does um, one prepare for that well i did not memorize the chicago manual of style because if you've never seen that book in person i actually went out <laughs> and bought a physical copy so i'd have a copy of it it's like this big and the yeah, writing yeah, is very yeah. tiny so i i did not memorize that uh what i did do was uh this was a hint from avi again cannot speak their prizes enough uh basically the chicago manual of style they uh they have little quizzes on their website and mm -hmm, i went ahead and mm -hmm. i went through those uh, and I found kind of the spots where I'm like, if I if I got like less than a 70%, I was like, okay, clearly I need to follow up on this. But if I got like a 90% or over on the rest, I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's not a big deal. Um, I did already have a good familiarity with the Paizo products. Right. Um, one thing I did do right before Leo sent me the test was I'm going to open up my, G, my, my game mastery guide. I'm just... I'm just going to go through it real quick just to see if there's anything where I'm like, I didn't know that was formatted that way. And that was actually such a boon to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like, oh, right. Haunts and traps are a thing. And it's probably important that I know how to edit this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was, I I did have like the Chicago Manual style there to kind of reference. Uh, they did also let me kind of, it was sort of like an open book kind of test thing. Right. right so I had right, the Chicago right. Manual style there with me. I had, uh, you know, all the little style guides and everything there. Uh, so sort of prepping was half like just testing and making sure I understood like previous like grammar and style type things and the other half was just being able to sort of reference like oh i need to know this comma fact where do i go for this comma thing in the chicago manual i will also admit i was benefited by the fact that my father has been an english teacher my entire life <laughs> correcting you yes do this so right <laughs> i'm very used to somebody going hey you know you messed up yeah. that semicolon right and like yeah, okay yeah. great yeah i always kind of wonder after um talking to several editors, it seems like that's a very daunting test. In fact, um, uh, one of the things that Leo said is um, less than half the people who apply for the position actually will attempt the test because it, it seems like so much, you know. Yeah, I'll admit uh, when I first downloaded it and I opened it, it's, I want to say it was like 
six pages maybe eight pages now that i look back on it it really wasn't that much but like looking but opening it then like i had a full panic attack and had to walk away from the computer at the time and like go that was when i was living at my old apartment so i had to like go upstairs and my partner's like oh my god baby are you okay and i'm like yeah i just got the editing desk i'll be fine (laughs) it's no big deal i'm good well after doing all the writing you know you've been very prolific over the last couple Mm -hmm. years Six pages of, of, you know, checking the formatting. You'd think that would be nothing for you. You'd think, but it was sort of like, because when you get it, it's already pre-messed up for you. So it's not like they've yeah. sent you like something that's in perfect condition or anything, but it's like, okay, so I know like how this should look, but now I've got to edit like all of this stuff, like the, what people would usually call like the fluff bits and not the mechanic bits. I'd right. edit all right. that too. And then it, right. it was just like, oh no, I can't do this. Why did I ever think I could? And then like taking a few breaths, sitting down, yeah. getting some food, you know. So uh, now, I'm, now I'm really curious about this. And so um, I, uh, I'm good friends with Ron Lundin. And one of the things he told me, whenever he gets a, uh, a turnover from an author, freelancer first thing he does is strips out all the editing and and, and reformats it uh, all the formatting and, and redoes it oh maybe i shouldn't well he's not with the company anymore, so it's okay <laughs> um so i i guess what i wonder is is that something did you just take it all out and then build it out the way it was supposed to be you know using the style guide for the particular sections and then do the the content editing afterward what was your process for that? I'm really curious. Oh, no, gosh, that would have been so much extra work. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I started and it's honestly just the way that I edit now whenever I'm doing yeah. things like adventure paths or organized play stuff or things like that. Yeah. Um, I always start with stat blocks first because stat blocks right. are super easy for me because it's always the same format every time right. and I can always make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I started with stat blocks and then I moved on to just like strictly like rules material like this is an ability this is a thing and i was like okay i can edit that and then i got like into like the uh the really like the the nitty-gritty of it where it's like this is all of the um explanatory product and this is the backstory and things like that so it was kind of like i did it just in this very step-by-step procedure and honestly that's how i do it now uh if i get stat blocks knocked out in five or ten minutes you know that saves me so much time down the road Now, the, the really interesting thing is you had no prior editing experience other than your own editing. I mean, you hadn't done that. You, you were in a call center. You weren't professionally yeah. like, working on anybody's work. And and you were able to, to tackle this. Are there other people with a similar background that came in editing to that? Or are you kind of the outlier? Um, honestly, all of the other editors that we have on the team have like this history in like publishing and they have like a history and like they, they've got like college degrees and things like that. And that's actually something that I remember, uh, Leo was like, we would like to, you know, start talking about extending an offer to you. And I'm like, okay, but we had, we like need to have a conversation. He's like, okay, what's, you know, what's up, what's going on? Cause Leo is such a sweet guy and he's very caring and every time i'm like we need to have a conversation he's like what's going on is everything okay and i'm like everything's fine but i have to confess to you i don't have a college degree i dropped out of college he was like oh oh is that it and i'm like okay <laughs> is this a good is that it or and he's like yeah don't worry about it um so like a lot of people that i've met who do editing um they do kind of have that background i just kind of stumbled into it uh, but you know, I'm going to be real. It's always been something that I've kind of secretly, I'm a Virgo. Uh, so I've always kind of been doing this to my friends where I edit right. their text messages in my mind and stuff like that. Right. So. Right. Cool. 
Yeah, I, when I, I interviewed Simone a couple of months back, and and I was talking to her, and she said she just loves editing. Mm-hmm. You know, so similar to that. So I think it's it's a proper mindset. I'm I'm a teacher, and so I grade, and I just see editing is like more grading, and I hate <laughs> that part. You know, so I was like, oh, inline edits and stuff like that. Oh man. Now, editing my own work, my own writing, I don't mind so much. It's just other people's. It just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's a mindset. Yeah. But given, so prior to this editing, though, you've been very prolific as a Pathfinder and Starfinder, you know, author and also working for, you know, Coyote and Crow on the rule book. How did you get started with all that? And how did you get connected with Coyote and Crow? Well, uh, so with Paizo, what wound up happening was Jake Tondro uh, basically retweeted something that Liz Liddell put out and was like, hey, we're looking for diverse authors. And yeah. I had been following uh, Ashton Sperry for a little while and Dave Nelson, uh, who are both mm-hmm. fantastic freelancers. Uh, and I'd been following both of them on Twitter for a while. I'm like, I would like to freelance. I would like to move into that. Uh, so, you know, I messaged Jake and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm interested in this. And he was like, here's Liz's email. Send her an email. And and here's where I'm going to give some advice. <laughs> because I did something you're not supposed to do whenever you're uh, applying, basically, to do freelance work. When they say, when Liz sent me an email, she was like, send me back evidence of your work. You know, let me see what your writing's like. Typically, what they're looking for is about five-ish pages of about, oh, here's like an NPC I built. So, you know, here's some fluff matter that I wrote. Here's some abilities. I sent poor Liz 35 pages of my homebrew campaign where I'd built all of the NPCs by hand like PCs using a mm. notebook at my desk. Wow. And so she still like, went, yeah, this is great. Scanned it and sent it in or were they typed up? Oh, I typed it up. I typed okay. up the word doc and sent it <laughs> off to her. Uh, no, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I remember, actually, I remember Jake retweeting that. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I can't call him Jake anymore. Apparently, maybe I shouldn't say this. He's not with the company. I can say this. So um, at Wizards now, he goes by Jason. Oh, Jason Todd. Oh, yes. Because there's not all these Jasons he's got to worry about. He's going by He's going by Jason. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah, because like Ron is, so Ron's over there and he says, yeah, he's referring to Jake. And everyone's, who? Who? Oh, I mean, Jason. Jason. So. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that is why. So, you know, I've talked to a couple of people who have said that, that they see a call like that and they respond and uh, that's kind of gets rolling. But, mm-hmm. you know, since then you've, you've done a lot. So it's not like, oh, it's just responding to a call, you know, so you must have done something right. And especially when you talk about like that first, you know, turnover you did for, for Avi, how did, how did you get it so clean? I mean, it's like they give you the style guide, mm-hmm. but I mean, like when I look at those, I still have a hard time figuring out which, which subhead I'm, you know, I look at the book, I look at this and <laughs> it's not super clear what level this thing is at, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that mostly stuck from, I copy pasted it out of the document that they gave us mm-hmm. and I just kind of threw it into my word doc and I went, I don't need this line, delete. I don't need this line, delete. I don't need this one, delete. And then just sort of, because uh, we have discords whenever we do freelance projects. Right. Um, and what I wound up doing was like, okay, here's my, I think I wrote my Izobu first, because I did the Walliped and the Izobu for uh, BCRA 3. And I, I basically threw it up and I was like, what does everybody think? Please, you know, don't, don't be gentle. Don't be kind. Just be like, go at it. 
And, you know, everybody sort of gave me good advice. And Avi was like, here's how you can format it better. And I was like, fantastic. And I, you know, took that advice and applied it and turned it in from there. Um, I probably went over the um, the <laughs> beginning piece for those probably about three or four times before I finally turned it into Liz. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Uh, just one of the biggest things why, uh, you know, I feel like I've been prolific with all of this is just when I was went to my very first online virtual PaizoCon, uh, John Compton gave me some really, really good advice. And I'd never worked with John before this. And he kind of scared me. <laughs> uh, he had a very intimidating avatar on both Twitter and t- on Discord. And I'm like, this man seems scary. Uh, he is not scary for the record. I have met him in person now. Uh, but he gave me this really good advice where he was like, what you need to do to make sure that you continue receiving work is I need to be able to see that you have taken feedback that you've gotten previously Mm. and you have applied it to future products. Mm -hmm. And that's always Mm -hmm. kind of stuck with me. So like when I get my feedback for like my milestones or whenever I get turnover feedback, it is always very important for me to kind of go over that a few times and understand this is why this person said, Hey, change this to this or don't do this or give me this or anything like that. It's very mm-hmm. important for me to kind of take that and reapply it and make sure I'm continuously evolving my work. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think, I think that's, that's very good advice. And, and I know that the developers do their best to provide feedback. And so sometimes, well, I haven't done a lot on the Pathfinder side, but I've gotten way more feedback from the Pathfinder side than the Starfinder side, but maybe I needed more. <laughs> maybe my Starfinder stuff is better. I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, so Coyote and Crow. So, you know, I actually interviewed Connor Alexander. He was one of the first ones I did video of and really neat guy. Again, another person here local, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved on working on that that project? If I recall correctly, and I could be wrong, Connor will correct me if I if I am. I believe he messaged me first on Twitter and was like, "Hey, you're a native person who likes tabletop games. We're making a tabletop game. Do you mind? Would you mind playtesting?" I was like, "Yeah, that sounds cool as hell. I love tabletop games. I love native stuff. Give me more natives and tabletop games." And he was like, awesome. And, you know, dumped me into the project stuff. And he was like, here you go. You know, do all this. Uh, you know, do it, the playtesting you want. You know, put it together. Tell me the feedback. Give me updates and things like that. And it was, it is such a weird experience to go from being on a very established line of like, this is how mm-hmm. things work. And we know everything. And the rules are all set to being like, hey, so like we rolled medicine checks and like they completely bombed out from under us and like all of my players died and everybody goes, huh, okay, we'll correct that and fix it. Uh, in fact, my very first play test with Coyote and Crow, um, I ran it with a few other f- Prizo freelancers, actually. I, I recruited them. Uh, and the, one of them fully one-shot killed the boss at the very end. Like, wow. she stepped up, wow. she pulled the arrow back on her magbo, and just, whoom, and I'm like, I have to check these numbers, but I think, and she's like, did I just kill him? I'm like, hang on. <laughs> I probably said hang on four or five times before I'm like, okay, so, um, how do you want to narrate what you just did? <laughs> and I sent that feedback back to Connor, and he's like, okay, so we should probably fix that and see if we could make it just a little bit harder to kill the big bad. I'm like, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. 
So you've they, done a couple actual plays as well, Coyote and Crow, yeah. looks like? Uh, yeah. I ran one for, oh gosh, I can't remember the name. I've got the ADHDs. Uh, something like Taking 20, something like that. And then oh, I right, ran right, one right. for Roll 20. And then I ran one for Gen Con. And all three were uh, Coyote and Crow. Um, the first one I ran was the little one-shot adventure that you get automatically with it, mm -hmm. which is the um, Station 54 adventure. Um, and then for Gen Con, I believe... Gen Con? Roll 20. I think for Roll 20 and Gen Con, I ran my own little independent adventure for them. Uh, and everybody seemed to have a fun time. I liked it. How, how did you like writing for, uh, you know, something based on, you know, the uncolonized future, you know, something oh, like that? It Is was, it an indigenous person? It was really, really cool. It was so, it was, it's an experience that I don't have enough words for to hmm. fully explain kind of how that felt. Because it's one of those things where like tabletop games are important to me. Um, Obviously, I write them, I play them, I work them all the time. Um, and like, I recently kind of had a little dust up on Twitter because I posted about this where it was really nice to play Pathfinder because Pathfinder already has kind of like this place for Native people. You know, the Shawanti exists, Arcadia exists, things like that. And they feel very like, we wrote this for Native people to enjoy, to take and be like, this is mine. But Coyote and Crow is different. Coyote and Crow isn't, we wrote this for you. Coyote and Crow is, this is you writing for you. This is you mm -hmm. writing for your cousins and your aunts and your uncles. And it was, it was sort of just this very, like, almost magical moment of being like, I'm writing a Native story for Native people to do Native things with. And it was very, like... I, I've told the story a few times. It was sort of like whenever I first opened the document that Connor sent me where he's like, here are the rules and the art and everything. And there's like this image. It's one of the first images in the Coyote and Crow book of just like this, this like elderly woman and like this very futuristic light and everything. And I full on started crying when I saw that image because mm. I'd never really seen native people in a tabletop game before. So right, right, that's what right. it was like. Well, and especially portrayed in a way that wasn't Westernized, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Right, because that's the big one of the big issues. Yeah. With that. Well, Lee, I I presume maybe you're doing more work with them in the future, or is that? Or, I've done some we, stuff with them. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Um. So you know you you've done quite a bit of writing, and you're you're an editor now. How does your editing help mm -hmm. you as a writer, or how does your writing help you as an editor? Uh, I would say my editing helps me as a writer in that. I pay attention a lot more now. Um, it was not unusual for me to kind of turn in early documents and have developers send it back and be like, hey, I don't know what this word is. And then me look at it and go, I don't know what that word is either. Uh, but I typed it. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Context clues. Um, you know, with editing, I can kind of take things a little bit slower and go, okay, I see what I meant here. Let's fix that word and let's send this over. Um, and as for like my writing informing my editing, that's uh, it's sort of like I can see where writers are going for sometimes because mm -hmm. a lot of times when you read something that doesn't quite make sense, uh, some people kind of they have this like gut reaction of like, oh, well, you know, the sentence is garbage and, you know, we, we can just delete that and fill something else in. But then there's also kind of that moment where I can go, OK, hang on. No, I see what they were saying here. Yeah, it's an incomplete sentence, but I can kind of get the gist of where this is going. So now do 
I, I presume you don't edit your own submissions. Other people, no. other yeah. editors would do that. Um, do you ever kind of look to see what they're doing when they're editing yours? Oh. Say, oh, oh, wait, what are you doing there? No, no, no. I didn't. Or, oh, okay. I guess what I wonder is, are your submissions so clean that they don't need any editing or is there still <laughs> editing happening? Absolutely not. Definitely. Uh, there's so much editing that goes on and I'm okay with that. Uh, some mm -hmm. people can be a little bit um, sensitive about their writing. That's perfectly fine. I definitely yeah. get it. Um, but again, I can only stress that my dad was an English teacher. So like when I say my dad was an English teacher and he edited my stuff, like I would write up like papers for school and my dad would take them and be like, okay, I'm I'm, you know, improving this. And I'm like, I don't, I, it's just, a, it's just, a, it's like a two page paper on nothing, dad. And he's like, nope we're going through this. I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, we're cutting out all these sentences. And I'm like, I just wrote those sentences. <laughs> Father, please. Uh, so yeah, no, my stuff definitely goes through editing. And, you know, I've seen stuff where it gets, uh, you know, changed a lot from what I originally wrote. Uh, but generally, not, you know, looking at it, I'm like, oh, I can see like where that got changed right. and why that got changed. Right. Uh, right. As for right. do I do it while they're while they're editing my stuff? Generally not really. <laughs> I've got so much other work on my plate. Oh, I know. Uh... I know. I just think, say, oh, they're just right there in that cube next to me. I, oh, I see what they're doing. Oh, no, that, oh, that would be so tough. That'd be so tough. You know, like, so for me, I uh, same way, you know, I sometimes I look at stuff and it's completely unchanged. I, oh, that was great. Or they didn't have enough time. I don't know. Um, a lot of it's like developer passes probably. Right. And other times it's like, okay, the setup's right. And then they completely change this other part. Where did that come from? Then I realize it's part of some, some broader thing that mm. you just don't, you don't have any control. Yeah. Um, so you, some people, when they get their first time assignments back, they're like, Oh, this thing changed, but this thing was important to me. Like, why did it change? And like, it could have changed because plot reasons. It could have changed yeah. because setting reasons. It could have changed because uh, we don't have access to the IP of that you referenced in it. Uh, could have changed <laughs> because it just didn't work out. Could have changed right. because oh, actually that character is doing something else now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, there's lots of different things. So yeah. I I've since learned not to worry too much about it. Uh, I remember apologizing to John Compton for um, writing so much stuff that he had to change. And, and then I realized that, well, maybe, maybe there's some reasons why some of that stuff changed and I shouldn't, he's, I've subsequently got more work, so it must be not too bad, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, what advice do you have for people interested in becoming editors and or freelance authors? Read, read so much, read everything, read anything, read every, uh, read menus, read adventure paths, read it, read, uh, organized play stuff, read the decks that we make. I just gestured at the deck of endless NPCs. You can't see it right now. <laughs> uh, read rule books, read other people's rule books, uh, read, uh, mythology books, read nonfiction, read fiction, read anything and everything you can get your hands on, uh, because it will definitely help in the future. Uh, if you want to do freelance writing, it will help inform you of, do I want to do this or have I seen this too many times mm -hmm, or do mm -hmm. I want to do this because I've seen it, but I want to make it that much cooler um, for editing. It will help you pick up on, okay, here's how words feel together. Cause sometimes when you're editing, you can kind of get a little bit blind to words mm. and then like, so you've edited each individual word in the paragraph and then you go back and read it. And you're like this, this whole paragraph doesn't make sense. What have I done? Right. <laughs> and then you got to go back and you're like, oh, I wasn't reading it. I was just changing it, you know. Right. So yeah. reading pretty much anything you can get your hands on is my advice. 
And that's both as an editor and a freelancer. Absolutely. What about getting started as a freelancer, getting that big break? You had you had Avi reach out to you. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has an Avi to reach out to them. <laughs> well, uh, it's also worth noting as a freelancer, I just started based on Twitter. Um, and that's one thing I can advise. If you want to get started in this industry and you want to move forward, you got to sort of make a social media presence. You don't have to make a big one. You don't have to have like 10,000 Instagram followers to get into the Paiso Cadre. Uh, but like, be somebody we can find, you know, post about yourself, post about your Pathfinder Infinite products, post about your homebrew stuff, anything and everything. If we can find you and we can kind of go, you seem like a cool person, uh, then you can find us. And when we go, hey, we have an open call for authors interested in this or we're looking for more authors or if you just honestly you can just cold email the developers and be like hey i'm interested in writing whether or not they will have time to answer your email i cannot say i cannot say our developers are extremely busy people Yes. yes but yeah cool so what's next for shay what kind of cool things are you working on that you can actually talk about that's a big one. Uh, Dark Archive comes out next week. And I'm yeah. very excited yeah. for it. People have started getting their PDFs and they seem to like my living vessel archetype, which I'm I'm a little proud of. I'm a little excited for. Uh, there's a Kickstarter coming up for Coyote and Crow. It hasn't launched yet, but it's coming mm-hmm. soon. Uh, Connor has released very little details, but he has announced it's coming. And mm-hmm. uh, my name might be on there somewhere. You might see it. <laughs> uh you might see my name on some Roll20 stuff soon for Coyote and Crow. You know, it all depends on when things happen. Oh, gosh. What can I talk about for Paizo? Uh, I know. I know. You get to watch what has been announced? and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no. That's cool. So for Roll20, I'm, I'm actually curious. So you create something and then you actually program it for Roll20 for them or somebody else does that? Somebody else does that. Okay. Uh, for right. Coyote and Crow, I wrote a thing that they'll be taking to Roll20 to update with their stuff. Roll20 mm-hmm. has all of their stuff. They take their time. They've got stuff to do. I get it. Uh, but, you know, my name might be popping up there around for the Coyote and Crow folks. Neat. Very yeah. neat. Well, Shay, you know, it's been awesome getting a chance to to chat with you and, and get to know you. It's one of the things I like best about doing these podcasts. But I really hope that we can meet in person and to do some gaming. Yeah, work. absolutely. Uh, if you come out to Gamers Heaven in Linwood, we have boba. People yes, are like, oh, the- you know, Zulu's got food and Mox has food. And like, But we <laughs> have boba. Boba tea. And your Saturdays? Is it Saturdays there? Yeah. Or- uh, every other Saturday from 1 to 4 p.m. 1 to 4 p.m.? 1 to 5 p.m. Sorry. ADHD. Uh, okay. And uh, right now we're running the Slithering. After the Slithering, I think I'm prob- I am probably might take him through Shadows through Sundown or Malevolence. I'm not sure. Uh, wow. but, you know, we'll run through cool. it. We'll see if I can get people to uh, turn into oozes or not. <laughs> right. It is a Ron Lundin adventure, so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, he likes to do some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks again, Shay. We'll uh, hopefully see you again in the future. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks so much.